This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And now, did you know that there is actually a two-way connection between your gut and your brain? Now, a troubled gut, for example, can send signals to the brain just as your troubled brain can send signals back to your gut. But just how much do we know about what influences this two-way communication? Why is this important? And also, how much can our actions in our daily lives, our diet, for example, influence this relationship? So on this episode of Brainwave, Neurogeneticist Dr. Azlina Ahmad Anwar um, is joining me on her series, um, and we are joined by a microbiologist Professor Dr. Kalavadi Ramasamy, who is based at the Faculty of Pharmacy at UITM, to help us answer these questions um, and more. Thank you both so much for joining me on the show today. Hi, welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Dr. Azina. No, you suggested this topic, and and we'll get a bit into why we're talking about this. We have a bit of a hidden agenda here, <laughs> um, but why do you think that we look enough into that connection between brain and gut health? Sure. Well, maybe I'll ask you a question back, Sue Ann, and also Tokala. <laughs> you know, have have you eaten today? Oh yes, I've done. <laughs> yes, I've and, had and breakfast today. Yeah, that's and right. Lunch. And I think in a lot of cultures, right, we always sort of ask people, "Have you eaten?" Oh, because yeah. it's also a way of kind of unconsciously determining their mood, right? So normally if somebody's eaten, they, you kind of yeah. you anticipate that they'll be in a better mood. <laughs> but if somebody hasn't eaten, usually the yeah. you, you kind of like, okay, they might be a little bit grumpy, okay. might be a little bit... Um, That's so true. Yeah, a little mm. bit a kind of, uh, you know, short in time because they're mm. rushing off to eat. So, so therein lies the kind of an example of an interplay, mm-hmm. right, between mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. Your, what your gut is telling you and then how that can affect your your brain and and in this case your mood and as we were saying just before uh, the recording that actually you know when we think about how our body works mm. um, a lot of it uh, a lot of the time we just think about our our DNA the mm-hmm. human DNA mm-hmm. yeah. and the proteins that our human DNA exactly. make but actually yeah. in the gut uh, we have you know millions and millions yeah. of bacteria and Trillions. they are mm-hmm. and they carry their own genome mm. which produce a unique set of proteins and actually mm-hmm. those proteins are also complementing our body's physiology. So really when we look at it, and it's not just our gut but also our skin and yeah. all, all sorts of other tissues. Exactly. So actually we are a combination not just of our own DNA mm, yeah. <laughs> but you know thanks to little little microbes yes. as well. Mm. Yeah. So, Prof Kala, what exactly are these microbes, right? Is this what we often hear people talking about, which is the microbiota? Uh, yeah, um, so, and so exactly like what Prof Azlina said just now, uh, you know, uh, we have got these uh, microbiomes, actually, which I'll explain in a bit, you know, the difference between microbiota and microbiome. Mm-hmm. So, microbiota is basically, um, you know, uh, micro... The, uh, microorganisms itself, mm-hmm. the microbes, while um, microbiome is actually the genes, um, you know, of this uh, microbiota. So um, going back to human microbiota, you know, started a long way, actually. Um, so it all began um, with the means to actually being able to visualize or see these microbes under the microscope with the invention of a microscope. Then came in the development of sort of um, commercial media, 
And I used to do, um, you know, work a lot on this uh, media, actually, where we actually isolate uh, microorganisms on these petri dishes. I'm mm. sure, Professor you have used them. Yeah, so that was um, the only way to actually identify microorganisms maybe 25 years ago. Mm. Um, but today, you know, we have... Uh, sort of advanced, the field has advanced a lot and we have got sequencing um, technologies where we can actually identify almost all microorganisms, um, So, which is so much easier. But what is important is just not to identify these microorganisms, um, but what is more important is to understand the function of these microorganisms. So mm. that is um, uh, microbiota. And a lot of times, um, you know, like what Prof. Azina said just now, we are not alone. Yeah. So we think, you know, we are this perfect, you know, human being, but actually we have got um, equal number of um, human cells mm. with that of uh, microorganisms. So oh, wow. it's not wrong to actually say that we are more than half, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> microorganisms, okay? So uh, more than half our body is not human. And we have got trillions of these microorganisms uh, known as a human microbiota, um, not just in our body, but on our body. Mm. And, so on um, our skin? Yes, on our skin. And uh, it consists mainly of uh, bacteria, fungi, virus, but I would say that the main bulk of uh, human microbiota is uh, bacteria. That's mm -hmm. about 90%. You know, when you compare the different parts, I would say that gut microbiota has the uh, most abundant of uh, these microbes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We often hear about things like, okay, we hear bacteria, we hear fungi, everyone thinks it's bad. But when we're talking about the microbiota, it's not all bad, right? Yes, you know, we have got the beneficial microbes as well as the uh, pathogenic microbes. I mm. mean, um, you know, for example, your yogurt, you know, mm. those are beneficial microorganisms. You've got mother's milk that is rich with, um, you know, beneficial microbes. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, just the concept that when you talk about microbes, you know, people automatically relate it to uh, pathobions yes. and pathogens and, That's you know, right. it's all bad. Yeah. So we have got a mix of both. I think mm. I think I remember um, TV commercials, right? When I was growing up, they whenever they were selling yogurt, all it was the probiotic like, yeah, drinks. Right. I mean, everyone probably has a picture in their head of yeah. what those little bottles look like. Yeah, yes, little, exactly. little happy-looking, well, you know, good bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. So, Prof. Kala, you say that a majority of these microbiota uh, reside in our gut. Mm -hmm. Which which part of the GI system are we talking about here? Where exactly do you find them? Yeah, it's mainly in the large intestine. Mm. Yeah, so uh, that is where we have uh, our gut microbiota. And you may wonder where you know does this microbe come from? Mm. Is it present uh, when you're born? Yeah, so you know these microbes are right you know from I would say the cradle. Mm. To the grave, yes. Mm. So from um, the cradle in the sense that, you know, um, during delivery, um, there are microbes from the mother mainly. Mm. So for those infants who are, uh, you know, um, through natural birth, then uh, these infants will have their microbes from the uh, vagina of the mother, mm. vaginal microbes we call it. And um, they also have got... Uh, mother's milk and mother's milk is a good source of probiotics it's very rich with uh, lactobacillus bifidobacteria and apart from just the bacteria mother's milk actually has got um, I would say prebiotics these are non-digestible carbohydrates that 
it's like food for the beneficial microbes. Mm. So you've got both pro and prebiotics in mother's milk. And going back to the gut microbiota, like like I said earlier, it's in the large uh, intestine. So a very common um, analogy for uh, gut microbiota, what is you know, to visualize what gut microbiota looks like would be a rainforest ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So just imagine a thriving rainforest with, you know, trees, huge trees, plants, shrubs, um, animals, insects, all living in harmony, in a balance. They like sort of depend on one another. And uh, the greater the variety of species, the more resilient is that you know, ecosystem. So it's the same for our gut microbiota. The more diverse, you know, the richer the the ecosystem. Mm. So that that brings me uh, very quickly to uh, a lot of times we think that, you know, gut microbiota is just a bystander. It's not, you know, it plays a very important role in our metabolism and our immune system. Yeah. If I may, just very quickly share with you on what is eubiosis and dysbiosis, going back to your question on, you know, when you look at microbes, you always... You always think of, you know, pathogens or this bad bacteria. But uh, I would say that eubiosis is always related to good health, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, U as in the, the alphabet U? U, mm-hmm. EU, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. That is eubiosis. So it's basically a balanced state, you know, where we have got diverse microorganisms and you have got more of the beneficial microorganisms. Yeah. So does that mean a healthy gut a healthy gut. That's what a we call gut. a healthy gut. So that's eubiosis. Mm. And, uh, you know, recently studies have also shown uh, dysbiosis. Mm. So dysbiosis is associated with a lot of diseases and that's when that's the sort of a shift in the gut microbiota where, where you've got more of the pathobions. So um, that condition is called dysbiosis and, you know, um, the richness is actually reduced as less diverse microorganisms. Yeah. I like that sort of visual representation of your gut being a very rich sort of mm-hmm. tropical mm-hmm. rainforest. Mm-hmm. Or I, I often think of it as sort of like a, a, fl- a garden of flowers, yeah. you know, and uh, and it's really very important to have different species yes, exactly. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that yeah. sort of, that's what you want to aim for, right? So when yes. you have, when, when more you, diverse, yeah. That's right. With your diet and everything, you need to make sure that exactly. Exactly. You eat different foods mm-hmm. that would then different nurture, colors, yeah. yeah, nurture those different um, good bacteria. Mm, exactly. It's not a sterile environment. No, no and you no, don't want no, a sterile environment. Yeah, either, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You don't want a sterile env- environment because studies have shown actually that uh, germ-free, germ-free animals. Mm. Actually, that is where we started all. You know, it stemmed. Uh, you know, uh, our understanding between the gut and brain. So, if you're talking about germ-free animals, you know, these animals are actually isolated in sterile env- environment. Mm-hmm. And um, studies have shown that when you compare this group of, uh, you know, germ-free animals with that of the wild-type animals, you know, both have got um, uh, the same, you know, genetic makeup. But germ-free animals somehow, you know, they show sort of altered behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they are more depressed, they are more antisocial, you know, more anxious. Yeah. So you don't mm-hmm. want to have a sterile uh, gut, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which brings me actually, um, you know, there was a recent study uh, that was done in New York looking at uh, children who were born during the pandemic mm-hmm. and they actually looked at the gut microbiome uh, so they had a group that uh, before and after mm-hmm. and they actually found that the children who were born and grew up you know at home not not being able to go out that they actually had a sort of this lower diversity right yeah and and in the paper very interesting paper okay. and they and they were sort of saying that um that you know, that, that early sort of sterile condition, you know, where have, everybody yeah. was using hand wash and everything. Exactly. That, that Keeping actually, all surfaces yeah. clean. That's right. And and not going out because mm. actually, as you mentioned, you know, a, a lot of 
um, you know, the one of the good things, one of the good things about getting the children out to play yeah. in the playground and meeting other children exactly. is that you sort of are exposed. And some Typhus, of that might, yeah. some of those bacteria may, of course, make you sick, mm. but. Um, there are also bacteria there that, you know, you exchange that some of it will contribute to this um, this richness and diversity, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's really interesting study and I think that they were that they, they, they did that and they sort of had a of course there were many sort of cautionary that we need to be cautious about the interpretation, but I, mm. I thought it was very interesting and, and as they say a very unique opportunity, you know, to study children who were born in that in, in, in that sort yeah. of condition in, 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 in our history. Correct, right? exactly. Yeah. And and who knows, um, you know, as they as they develop and as they get older, you know, how that might impact. So, you know, this, this study that we really would need to sort of, uh, hopefully that they continue, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's, there's a lot that's going to be coming out from there. Mm. Exactly. We'll go for a quick break now. And then when we come back, we'll talk more about that gut-brain um, connection. And what we can do with our diet as well. I'm sure like a lot of people are, you know, waiting to hear uh, what both of you have to say about <laughs> prebiotics and probiotics. On the show with me today are neurogeneticist Dr. Azlina Ahmad Anwar and microbiologist Professor Dr. Kalavati Ramasamy from UITM. And we are, and you are tuned into our episode of Brainwaves this month. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. You are tuned into an episode of Brainwaves, and today we are talking about the gut-brain axis. We are talking, um, and the gut has often been referred to as the second brain, and we'll dive into that in a bit. Joining me to discuss today's topic is, as always, neurogeneticist Dr. Azlina Ahmad Anwar, and joining us today is microbiologist Professor Dr. Kalavati Ramasamy from the Faculty of Pharmacy at UITM, and this is her special interest. This is what she does her research in. Um, so before the break, we were talking about the um, the presence of the gut microbiota in our body, the the importance of it in it to a certain extent of w- how it makes up who we are as well. You know, it's not just our DNA, it's not just our genome, but the presence of these microorganisms as well. Um, microorganisms that are not all bad, that they have benefits. Um, but before we dive more into how it helps our body functions, um, Prof Kala, can this microbiome, this, this gut microbiota change over the years? Does it change? Um, yes, it does. But um, I would say that if you're talking about, um, you know, our lifespan, uh, studies have shown that there are two phases, you know, um, that there's rapid changes. Mm. Um, I would say that the first part would be the... Um, uh, early life, you know, mm-hmm. below three years old, I guess that's when they pick and crawl and, you know, so whatever that is around the environment, so they pick up. So that is where, you know, it's not really stable. So they pick up a lot of uh, microorganisms. And the other uh, rapid change would be um, in older adults, you know, above 65, most probably due to the physiological changes, mm-hmm. I guess. So, but in between, uh, in between, you know, this the, the phase, it's quite stable, you know, generally it's stable at the higher level, like at the mm-hmm. phyla level, but not at the genus. So, yeah, the, it, it's quite stable in between. Yeah. Can anything introduce changes, Dr. Azina? I think, I think if you had, um, say, like... Um, a very bad infection, um, you know, if, 
I, I think the widespread use of antibiotics probably has mm-hmm. a big effect on you yes. know, uh, and and I and I know growing up, if ever I went to a doctor, you know, they they would use it wantonly, right? You know, <laughs> any kind of cough, yeah. give them antibiotics, antibiotics you know, yes, yes. and 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 that I do worry about that a so little bit. So that would potentially wipe out the yes, microbiota. because it doesn't just selectively wipe out yeah. the bad bacteria. Actually, yeah, any good, any good yeah. bacteria, and of course now with with all our you know sterile conditions, <laughs> um, but I suppose things like. Um, if you had um, certain certain diseases of the gut, you know, mm-hmm. if you had like um, cancer, for example, then of course with all the different treatment that you would have, um, and also maybe kind of diseases where maybe it affected your your diet, you know, um, and the, you know it could either be sort of mental health issues where maybe you, or, or bulimia, you know, like, or, you mm-hmm. know, where where you're not eating the right kind of diet, not not just not eating, but then also that other component not going out into the environment because mm. it's also not just the diet, but you're also picking up things, you know, from your environment as well that that um, w- would contribute. So um, so that's why I suppose if you have these sort of you know major events in your life, um, it 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 does. Uh, have quite a huge impact, you know, yeah. for long term, because maybe partly, you know, Prof. Kala can also add on, partly is that also you you have to sort of repopulate your gut mm. almost, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> it takes time to repopulate that gut. And then, and then the kind of mental health part kind of lags a little yeah, bit. So, yeah, you, so you kind of, you know, a lot of us, I suppose, if we've had quite bad gastrointestinal issues, you know, you feel awful, don't you, right? Yeah. And then even though you sort of stop going to the bathroom, but then after a few days, a few days after that, you still feel a bit kind of like <laughs> sluggish <laughs> and you're not in any mood to do any work, you know, so, and then only a bit later does it sort of, you know, get better. So, you know, partly it could also be that, um, that 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 you're not having the good bacteria producing what you need because actually, um, you know, the bacteria in our gut actually produces about ninety percent of serotonin, and of course, wow. yeah, and of course, people always think of serotonin as the. As the, the, the happy... That's yeah, right, it's the, the, the happy neurotransmitter. It doesn't just produce serotonin, but actually a, a quite a number of other neurotransmitters mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And some of the factors that the bacteria produces also has a knock-on impact on yes, exactly. another neurotransmitter that actually is produced by our neurons, right? So the bacteria don't produce it, but our neurons produce it, which is a BDNF. Mm-hmm. So BDNF yeah. is also involved in mm-hmm. a number of different functions within the brain number one it helps to regulate uh you know how neurons talk mm-hmm. to each other synaptic activity as they say and of course then that would have a knock-on impact on cognition mm-hmm. and you know and emotion yeah. emotional regulation that kind of thing so so it's sort of you know everything works so holistically yeah. you know it's actually so important to get Together. that balance yeah. so yeah. is that why prof kala that the gut is often referred to as the second brain because of this all this interconnection yeah i mean um true i mean uh, of course gut is the second brain because it like what uh, prof azina said just now um you know 90% of the serotonin you know is produced in the gut but mm. the thing is that you know serotonin doesn't it, it cannot pass through the mm. blood brain barrier so most mm. probably uh, it's hypothesized that serotonin gets to the brain via the vagus nerve directly. I mean, sure. that's what is hypothesized. And um, you know, going back to the the, the gut, um, even microbes actually produce neurotransmitters. For mm-hmm. example, bifidobacteria it produces GABA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and um, what is that? Uh, that is a neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so. 
And not only that it produces, it also is able, these microbes actually are able to induce the production of um, uh, neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. You know, they induce the neuronic cells to produce um, neurotransmitters. So, um, yeah, I mean, the gut plays an important role, but we're now trying to understand how is the communication. We're not very certain, like, how mm. really it communicates. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because I was just going to ask that, like, how do we know <laughs> then? How does it work? Because we know there's link, but the the exact mechanism we don't know yet? Um, I would say that we we believe that it's through the um, vagus nerve directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, um, like um, I'll explain a bit. Just now, Prof um, Azina mentioned that, you know, a lot of times we take antibiotics, you know, our diet plays an important role on um, gut microbiota. So if you look at it, you know, in one of our study, actually, we used a cocktail of five antibiotics to cause dysbiosis. Mm. Yeah. And it really induced cognitive impairment in the animal models. Yeah. Mm. So um, I think... Uh, were those antibiotics that routinely used? Yeah, routinely used. We selected those antibiotics that were routine. I cannot remember how many weeks were those. I think it mm. was about one month. But, um, you know, every day, this uh, antibiotics was given to the animals and it caused dysbiosis. And, of course, eventually the animals, um, yeah, had mm. a cognitive impairment. Mm. And what is interesting is that uh, we actually were able to um, sort of restore memory. Mm-hmm. We published that recently um, by using uh, beneficial microbes like lactobacilli that we isolated from fermented food. Mm. Uh, and the fermented food is tempeh. <laughs> tempeh. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. So, yeah, our diet plays an important role. I mean, and a lot of times people ask us like, you know, um, what are the best probiotics to eat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to consume? Uh, but I would think that fermented food, you know, just take yogurt. And, and things like that without sugar of course yogurt without sugar you don't necessarily the need the supplements you can just eat but more whole foods yeah, yeah I think that plays an important role absolutely yeah. Yeah. so what about prebiotic and probiotic beverages in both sense because especially the probiotic we mm-hmm. see that a lot in supermarkets they're mm-hmm. marketed as being good for your gut health does that make a difference? I would say yes. But then again, like I said, don't take the ones that are sweetened. Because <laughs> yeah. most, the sugar of, them, levels most are so of them high. contain a lot of sugar. They're marketed at children. Yes. Yeah, but the levels of sugar are too high. Mm. So personally, I would think take the natural yogurt. You know, it's really rich in um, a lot of these beneficial bacteria. That That is really good. Yeah. Mm. Just put in, you know, with your fruits and, and consume, consume them that way. I mean, that would be better. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think there used to be a practice, right? Like in curries, people used to put oh, yogurt. Yogurt, yogurt rather than Correct. coconut, coconut milk. milk. Yeah. You know, sometimes we do need to go back to, <laughs> to yeah. the old way of, Correct. of, of cooking. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Dr. Azina, why is understanding this two-way communication important for me as an individual? Understanding how my gut and my brain talks to each other because I don't necessarily see it happen playing out in real life, right? These are processes happening at the cellular level, um, uh, at, 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 a, at a very small level. Yeah. Why does it matter to me? Well, it matters to you, Sue Ann, because we want you to remain healthy for as long as possible and to live as uh, as healthy as life, mm. um, you know, a good quality of life and to a, a ripe mm-hmm. golden age. And I think... Um, you know, I think I think one of the the reasons why we we did want to do this show is as well because, you know, maybe not enough has been emphasized. Mm. You know, and I think, especially um, 
the younger generation now. Actually, there was a, a politician yesterday, I think, who, who who came out with a statement saying that Malaysians now are um, too addicted to eating out or something like that, and that was actually also impacting um, their 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 finances. But but if you consider eating out, mm-hmm. you know, it might not necessarily be the freshest food, the healthiest food. So. I think by highlighting this issue, people hopefully will become more aware that actually, you know, the food that you eat doesn't just give you energy, full stop. Mm. You know, it, it, it actually has a huge impact long term and mm-hmm. you do need to pay much more attention to, to what you're eating because it, it's not just about, like I said, it's not just about getting energy and feeling full and, you know, getting mm-hmm. a good mood. Actually, you know, it's about it's keeping, that, right? keeping that rainforest, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, healthy and diverse. And, and then it... It will it will benefit you in a long term. So it's a long game that we're playing, you know. It's um, and and I think um, you know, and 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 actually, uh, I I do this this sort of activity at the university with my university students, and you know, unfortunately, sometimes at university they they they're just too busy and they don't really have a very good diet, and you know, they're always rushing, mm. um, and a lot of them. You know, and, and and I ask them to write. Uh, so I ask them to sort of actually be more mindful of their mm. of their of their stool or mm. their poo, <laughs> um, and to sort of look at look at it, but don't send me photos. Okay, <laughs> and look at it and and sort of you know be more mindful of the the state of their stool, etc. Um, over a sort of you know one or two week period, and and then write to me about it. You know, mm. and reflect about you know the experience and and everything. And you know, it's surprising actually. Like some of the students, you know, they will. So many of them have constipation. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of them will say, you know, and they know it's because they're not eating fruit. They know it's because they're not having you know uh, vegetables, etc. And um, and not drinking enough water. You know, mm-hmm. exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's also part of it. Because everybody's just on their computer. Now, right, mm-hmm. and um, and then and then some of them, you know, scarily enough as well, you know, some of them also report, you know, other more serious issues, you mm. know, and it's just really worrying that you know that they have this even at such a young age, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 then as they go through this activity, they sort of say, you know, by now they realize because they also have to sort of read up all the science part of it and mm-hmm. write up, you know, they realize actually that how important it is that they they do need to look at their poo, <laughs> you know, because yeah, exactly. a lot of people yeah. and, and I'm 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 sorry if I'm a little bit graphic now, <laughs> but a lot of people like they don't look, mm. you know, and they just go by the feel of it, <laughs> yes. right? But actually, you you won't know by just the feel of it whether or not that you might have blood in your stool, mm. right? And that's an equally important yes. and, and that is a huge red flag. If you see yeah. that, you know, it, it may not necessarily mean cancer, but it could be, mean that you might have mm-hmm. some sort of severe hemorrhoid yeah. or something or another, you know, going on. So it really is, you know, I, I know, and, and a lot of the, the students also mentioned, you know, um, that they felt gross looking at their poo and everything. <laughs> but, you know, it's your own poo, never yeah. mind. And it's actually a very, it, you know, it's a very telling way of, of get, getting an insight into how, how your gut is and and then also being mindful that that if you see that it's not how it should be, that you need to change because that can also affect your health overall. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they yeah. and they and, and and I think it's also very empowering, I think, by people kind of taking that taking command of that and also exactly. it, it also changes your mood in the mm-hmm. sense that I'm I'm doing this for myself. Yeah. You know, I'm being 
mindful of my health in many ways. And I think that's why, Sue-Anne, <laughs> coming why. back to your original question, why it's important for you to be mindful of your gut health. Yeah, mm. And you know why? Because if I can add a bit more, mm. um, just imagine if you've got all this um, healthy diet with you know f- high fiber, for example, mm-hmm. what happens is actually it encourages the growth of the beneficial microbes, right? The good ones. Mm. And uh, actually the good microbes produce certain molecules that um, sort of, um, it, it's an energy for your epithelial cells, your anthrocytes. And it, it's also, um, it sort of protects the anthrocytes actually. So um, it induces the production of mucin. So there is like um, a shield, you know, between your anthrocytes or your epithelial cells and uh, the toxins. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, like what you said, to uh, to, to actually um, see, you know, what you eat, check what you eat and just mm-hmm. not eat anything. Because mm-hmm. microbes, you know, um, for example, the good ones live on fibers, but those with high fat, you know, trans fat, You've got your pathogens growing on it. So that that's very important on what you eat, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and as you mentioned as well about the lining, actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the bacteria, they produce many different proteins. Mm-hmm. But also some of those proteins might, because uh, the, the bacteria, they usually maintain, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. Prof. Kala, mm-hmm. they usually maintain the, like, the integrity of the cells, right? Yeah. So if... The cells within your uh, along your along your gastrointestinal mm-hmm. um, tract, and if you don't have the bacteria to sort of hold the gates together, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. say, or hold the mm-hmm. fence together, then you're getting a leaking of some of those factors, which maybe aren't supposed to be circulating, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things is that you you can sort of trigger an inflammatory response, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and actually, what we know for the brain is that this sort of long-term neuroinflammation mm-hmm. uh, can have long-term, uh, d- you know, uh, uh, damaging effects on the brain, right? Mm. So so imagine you're getting this sort of slow leaking of sort yeah. of, you know, bad factors. Um, I'm not talking about poo leaking, but these mm, are sort of, you know... Insight, neuroinflammation, basically yeah. leaky gut causing yes, um, leaky right. brain. Yeah, And, and mm. if you think about someone who... Um, hasn't sort of maintained their gut when they're in their 20s or 30s mm-hmm. and decades yeah. of that decades of that leaking and that sort of slowly slow triggering of mm-hmm. neuroinflammation you know that may lead to late onset neurodegenerative diseases one of which might mm-hmm. be dementia of course mm-hmm. and that's what we're trying to avoid you know because we know that for many cases of late onset dementia actually it doesn't happen just yeah, suddenly. It's, it's no, over time. It's, it's, yeah, it's progressive over, yeah. over years. That's right. And almost two decades. So mm. two decades before, you you know, exactly. let's say around mm-hmm. your 60, two decades is when you're 45 mm-hmm. or so. Mm. And it's if I may add, call Professor, you know, exactly. So, um, uh, well, the leaky gut is very important actually for our mm. health because, um, you know, we think that it's not important, but actually these uh, the, the the bad bacteria, the pathobions, you know, they produce a lot of toxins like mm. exotoxin, endotoxins, you know, name it. So um, we have got very specific receptors on the epithelial cells actually that communicate with these toxins and they're very specific. And what is interesting is even our immune cells have got these receptors. So just imagine, you know, these toxins, you know, binding with these 
receptors on not only epithelial cells but also immune cells and that's how it triggers that mm. neuroinflammation like what Prof Azlina mm. said over time can you imagine you know if you have the toxins uh, for a very long time and this binding exactly uh, also releases like you know the the tight junction proteins that keeps the cells together like glue mm-hmm. so the gate opens okay when the gate opens you have got all these toxins in your blood and it gets to the brain and and exactly you know now it becomes uh, you know not only leaky gut but leaky brain and that's how exactly you know our memory is impaired yeah mm-hmm. just Or, like you saw in your in your mice in my mice yeah. i mean we use different models we use mm. the yeah there's one model that we used you know our lipopolysaccharide uh, model this is an endotoxin that is produced by bacteria so we mm. use that um, model um, so this toxin actually really um, caused memory impairment so exactly like what we shared just now yeah mm. all right we'll go for another very quick break now mm-hmm. and when we come back i know prof kala you're doing some work looking into um, gut health among older adults yeah, as well yeah. and i definitely want to find out more about mm-hmm. that because that's so important when we talk about this gut brain mm-hmm. axis on the show with me today are dr azina ahmad anwar neurogeneticist and professor dr kalavati ramasami microbiologist from uitm we'll be right back after a quick break so keep it here on health and living bfm 89.9 Welcome back to Health and Living with me Lim Su and you're listening to an episode of Brainwaves today and joining me on the show are neurogeneticist Dr Azina Ahmad Anwar and Professor Dr Kalavati Ramasamy from the Faculty of Pharmacy at UiTM. Um we've been talking a lot very very extensively <laughs> about our gut health and more importantly how that also links to our brain health, you know, it's too it's very interlinked. If you missed what we talked about earlier, you can always catch this on podcast again later. Um but Prof Kala, I know that you are also doing some research with your colleagues to look into um the link between gut health and cognitive issues among older adults mm-hmm. as well um tell me more about that and what you're trying to look for surely um thanks well so basically um this particular project is actually uh, well prof asdina is also part of the project it's um called ageless program that um you know uh, we received uh, i would say long term research grant funding from the ministry of higher education the project itself is led by professor tan mopin from mm-hmm. U- university of malaya um but you know we've got an exciting team working on older adults and uh, well our role is actually to isolate or, or get the um, stool samples look at mm. the Um, microbiota signature among older adults okay and uh, what we found is that um, at individual levels so after collecting the stool samples we actually extracted the dna sent it for sequencing and then um, uh, we met you know these participants to just share with them the results so at individual levels what we found is that each one of them is unique it's like a fingerprint you know each one of us have got a very unique um, uh, i would say microbiota pattern And uh, what is interesting is that just by looking at their gut microbiota profile, we could actually tell whether they they are having any gastrointestinal um, conditions or not. You know, mm. so it was even really, if they didn't know about it before. Um, usually, they tell us that oh, they have okay. got, but but we can predict. We can mm. we can tell them looking at the profile. I can tell them whether they are having any um, GI problems. So. You know, like for us um, healthy people, I hope we are healthy. <laughs> um, we usually have this phyla called Firmicutes and Bacteroidetes. So this is the common one that we all have. So uh, we had this one participant who, you know, it was like very high levels of this. Uh, just bear with me. I'm going to use uh, some scientific terms called proteobacteria. 
And, uh, you know, when you see this phyla, then mm. you know it's a signature of dysbiosis or mm. disease. And this particular participant had very high levels of this, you know, um, bacteria. And, um, and true enough, you know, she was in and out of the hospital and she didn't know what was the problem until we gave her the results. Then she realized, I told her, this is a collection of all the pathobions like E. coli, Salmonella, Vibrio, you know, all uh-huh. that is in that group of microbes. So that's a signature of... Um, of disease or, or dysbiosis. Uh, so that's at individual level. And when we looked at, um, you know, I would say the whole cohort, I mean, the ageless study is still ongoing. But when we looked at the, the uh, whole cohort, what we found um, is that this particular proteobacteria, you know, this, this group of pathobions, mm. they are actually associated with age, which means that as we age, this these pathobions also increase. Mm. Um, so that's what we're seeing, and that's not very nice. So, mm. you know, it'll be nice to actually sort of restore the gut microbiota, maybe through diet for older adults. And we also found that this group of microbes, again, you know, it was higher in those who were more depressed, um, more, you know, lonely, and so, you know, there must be something between the uh, gut and the brain, you know, that is affecting the mood, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's a bit of a cycle as well, because, um, uh, you know, do you have a do you have a b- bad gut health because you have mental health issues or yeah, does yeah, the bad yeah, gut exactly. health cause mental health issues right because i think both ways <laughs> yeah because so that remains to be discovered right? yeah i think i think that's sort of i mean definitely it's there's the an interplay there yeah. yeah because for example if you have anxiety or depression maybe you yeah. you are not eating well mm. enough and then that will have a knock-on impact and then because the gut health is not exactly. so mm-hmm. so great then it causes you know so it kind of mm. it's hard to break so i i suppose that's why you know um the, those anyone who has who knows anybody who is going through mental health issues you know it is really important to try to get them to still maintain a good diet you know because that that is not just going to give them energy right but then also it's going to potentially Mm -hmm. long term Mm -hmm. as you mentioned Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it will also restore Mm -hmm. uh, their mood and Mm -hmm. uh, elevate their yeah and you know um, elevate their mood Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. from your perspective Dr. Azina what would you like to see Improved through research, you know what? What would you mm. What would you like to see one day to, for us, for scientists to figure out one day when it comes to this gut brain axis? Oh well, I mean, I I suppose I'd like to understand a lot more in terms of this sort of you know changes that happen mm. throughout the lifespan, and you know what are the critical time points so that then we can advise people and to, so that they can be a little bit more aware. Um, I'd like to, I suppose, from a therapeutic or targeting Mm. point of view, know exactly Exactly. what are the factors that are causing the problems Mm. or that are, on the other side, beneficial, Mm. you know, um, so that then... Um, and, and, and I suppose from a personal level as well, you know, maybe understanding a little bit more about which foods are best to eat, you know, and so that, you know, I, I make bet- better choices in life. <laughs> what would you like to see, Prof. Kala? For me, of course, I would like to see um, a consortia of microbes, you know. I mean, mm. of course, this is wishful thinking, maybe or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, a consortia of microbes that can actually help, you know, um, or prevent diseases. You mm. know. That's that's our main target. And of course, to use for diagnostic purposes. You know, just imagine if you have got a consortium of microbes and this can actually help those who are, you know, um, suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's really good. So, but we are not there yet. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, 
we will be there in a you know i don't know so uh, the reverse of antibiotics right exactly yeah. Yeah. that's where we need yeah. to go and we are already seeing it for example you know the fecal microbiota transplantation it mm-hmm. was actually approved um last year for of course only um, Clostridium difficile, you know. In Malaysia, and, you mean? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> no. Uh, this is in US, Australia. Mm. So um, the fecal microbiota transplantation is, you know, where two samples of healthy donors are transplanted into those who are to prevent diseases mm. yeah, in, a, in, in some, someone else. And um, I would say the good news is that now um, they have got the oral dosage form, which means that you can just take it, you mm. know, tablets. And we can see some, um, you know, success stories, for example, in um, autism mm. uh, they have got I think the they have got approval uh, from the uh, US uh, patent office you know but that's not fecal microbiota transplantation that's like a consortia of microbes for um, autism and uh, what I understand is that you know they have got quite good results in their phase one clinical trials and I guess that's why they got the patent approved um, it actually improved gastrointestinal disorder so that that's really you know we're seeing some light here yeah, uh, mm-hmm. with with this kind of uh, therapy yeah mm, so I mean wishful think- thinking is how we get started yeah, right exactly, no one's yeah. thinking about it no <laughs> one's gonna be doing it yeah. um maybe a, a takeaway message for individuals i mean we, we've been talking a lot about the the scientific parts of mm-hmm, things we mm-hmm. spoke a bit earlier about what people can do but maybe just to remind people what what should i do to maintain my gut health at this moment mm-hmm. prof kala well my advice will be um, to take care of your health uh, because um, and to take care of your gut uh, microbiota because um, I would say that, and this really depends on the diet, mm. right? Uh, your gut microbiota depends on the diet. So uh, be careful, be mindful of what we eat. Um, like said earlier, you know, many times that uh, we need to eat uh, well more vegetables with different colours. Varieties are important because these actually will enhance the growth of good bacteria and we will have a better gut health. Apart from that, it's also um, the environment we are in, you know, whether we are in Mm. stressful conditions or lifestyle, basically. Mm. Exercise more Mm. because um, at the end of the day, the gut microbiota depends on all these things. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, it's sort of, you know, going back to basics that that we always talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, as you mentioned, diet, you know, exercise, healthy lifestyle. I think after uh, as well, a few years of you know, constantly using hand sanitizers and trying oh, yeah. to remain as clean as <laughs> possible. Me. I think I think maybe now just don't be afraid to get dirty, <laughs> you know. Um, True. You know, you might you might kinda, you know I mean, you know, that that just Go go out go out into nature. You know, let your children run around. Get dirty, but safely. Yes, yeah. of course, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think there's a lot that we also don't understand about the environment mm-hmm. and how the environment mm-hmm. is also helping um, the the gut micro our gut microbiota. Um, and so and so, yeah, just get out and just try to relive life like how we knew, right? And um, repopulate yeah. <laughs> that garden of uh, bacteria. Mm. Yeah. All right. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I mean, this is a conversation that we will be continuing somewhat at um, BFM's Health and Living Life event that's happening on 14th October. Now, Dr. Azlina will be joining us on one of the panels to talk about um, keeping your brain fit and healthy, you know, and how we'll touch a bit on how gut health, um, particularly your poo as well, could give you signs <laughs> about how those grey cells are doing. Um, we will be having booths outside our um, our event on that day. There'll be um, stations for you to learn more about how healthy your 
Poois, among other things. Um, of course, we'll have other panels talking about physical and financial fitness as well. So if any of these are something that you're concerned about, you can come join us. Um, once again, that's happening on 14th October, 10am to 3pm at CCEC at Vertical Bangsa South. You can get your tickets now um, by going to bfm.my slash health event. You've been listening to Brainwaves with me, Lim Suen. This has been BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.